in Finland readers have told me that uh, they have gone over centuries just by reading and found themselves living moments in a faraway era. I hope this feeling will go also over language borders. You're listening to Rights and Brands podcast. Today I have with me the Finnish author Olli Jalonen. I'm his literary agent Lena Stina Kakko. Thank you Olli for accepting my invitation to come and talk with me today about your novels. Thank you. You have a long career as an author. Your first novel came out already in 1978 and you have published regularly since. You've won the most important Finnish literary award called the Finlandia Prize, not once but actually twice. And you're the only living author and only the second author in the history of this prize to to have done that. You have also been nominated for the Nordic Council Literature Prize and Finlandia Prize several times. But today we're talking about your two latest novels. Um, They actually form one story together. And this is a story about a young boy. His name is Angus. And Angus is born on the faraway island of St. Helena. The story takes place in the late 17th century, when Angus, who comes from a humble or even poor peasant family, by chance ends up in London and he becomes an apprentice for the famous scientist Edmund Halley. And we all know Edmund Halley as the founder of Halley's Comet. The first book um, in English, it's called The Celestial Sphere and its sequel, The Art of Living Underwater, tell an adventure story and a coming of age story of Angus but also a story about science, uh, its history, and its role in the history of mankind. I also read your novels uh, as a meditation on the nature of of human being. Um, And these topics are but actually a few sides to your story. There would be so many other points to discuss as well, but these are the topics that we will cover at least partly today. Um, first, I want to ask you, how did this particular story come to you? What is the background for these two novels? Uh, yes, in already in 1989, I traveled to the remote island of St. Helena. And uh, it had been my dream for years. Uh, the only possibility to get there was uh, the royal mail ship called St. Helena. The voyage from Avonmouth near Bristol to Jamestown, it's the tiny capital of St. Helena, took two weeks and later the return trip back to UK again. Two weeks. To me it was was the first time to see how large and endless the Atlantic Ocean can be. It was really a great experience. The old RMS St. Helena was rather small ship, but it had some interesting books on its library bookshelf. And, uh, I found a mention that astronomer 
Egmont Halley had been and worked there on the island on the, uh, in the 17th century. Halley was only about 20 years old then. But uh, by his systematic and long-lasting observation, he charted the whole southern sky and put the stars and their constellations uh, on measured places. It was fascinating. The empty ocean, Edmund Halley, and uh, the nearing island all together brought to me a very strong idea that I want to write on seas and skies and on young eager observers of our world. And then already when staying on St. Helena I started to make notes and every day on the island brought something new because being there was as fresh and as and the first time as in, in childhood. Misty and cloudy hills, endemic plants like cabbage trees, ancient tree ferns and even the ruins of Halley's observatory from over 300 years ago were so inspiring details that I was completely ready to begin with this long-lasting writing period. So the story was actually in making for over 30 years since you visited the island. Um, why is that that it took 30 years to write and, and why did you decide to finish it now in 2018, 2019? You've written several books in between. I have had uh, uh, long writing processes also earlier. I like to have different stories or alternative realities in the head and develop them little by little, think and imagine and write. And uh, in, in the 90s and the, in the beginning of this century I, I had also other books on progress. But now was the turn of these two novels that had been so important to me for already for decades. So the story is based on true history, I mean that uh, the scientific facts are true and they all checked. We talk more about that work uh, a little later on. Um, and also many of the characters are actually true historical figures. Except from Angus, our little boy, our main narrator and the main character of these novels. Uh, we follow his fate throughout these two books. How did the fictional figure of Angus come about? What characteristics are important in him for you to tell this particular story? Um, great scientists, natural historians and inventors needed their assistants and apprentices. I wanted to bring one young and poor St. Helenia boy to nearby Edmund Halley. Uh, he gets in to other world and other world views. Through him I wanted also to describe the miracle of learning to read and write. And the more I wrote about Angus, the more he became me and perhaps 
also otherwise I I became the boy living at the dawn of the enlightenment. So the other main character we have here is the scientist Edmund Halley, who was already famous in his lifetime and we still know him from the comet. Although he did contribute to modern science in many other ways as well, which you describe in your novels. Um, he was a multidisciplinary scholar and was exploring not only the sky and the star constellations, but also, for example, the depths of the sea. And this is what you describe in your, your second book, beautifully named The Art of Living Underwater. But why did you choose Edmund Halley? There are other, maybe even more famous scientists in the history and who were living in the 17th century. There must be something very special about him to you as you've been inspired by him also earlier, at least in, in one of your previous novels called 14 Knots to Greenwich, which came out um, 10 years ago from now. Yes, you are right. Edmund Halley was really a many-sided scholar. And uh, for instance, in his later life, he was the Astronomer Royal at Greenwich Observatory. And, uh, and he founded also a private diving company and uh, was the captain of a naval ship and uh, explored unknown regions or oceans. And these were only parts of his life work. And he was inspiring man indeed, and a real messenger of the, of the Enlightenment. The precise and detailed depictions of scientific experiments that you write about in these novels must have required extensive background research, digging up old information and studying sources from centuries ago. Um, even the name of the second book um, is based on this background research, am I right? Can you tell us more about this process? Uh, the Art of Living Under Water is uh, also a title of Halley's classical diving bell article in Royal Society's scientific magazine called Philosophical Transactions. And, uh, during decades, he wrote many articles to that fine, really fine and important magazine, and he also edited it. Uh, when I got to know and studied the times and surroundings of my, of my books, these books, I was astonished how detailed information it is possible to find from writings and letters and diaries and newspapers from the end of the 17th century. And of course, London was already then a superb metropole, uh, over half a million residents. But to get so exact lists of prices and products, and to get to know rainy days and temperatures day by day from our 300 years ago, it was great. There are many fascinating details in your novels uh, deriving from your um, 
background research as well. There's one that really tickled my imagination, and this is the version of the diving bell Edmund Halley comes up with. This happens in your second book. Um, and who gets to be the guinea pig to try this diving bell out, but his faithful assistant Angus, of course. So describing how it must have felt for Angus to be sunk to the unknown depths underwater, has required not just this background research on scientific details, but also vivid imagination. Angus is sinking towards the bottom of the River Thames, and then not everything goes according to Halley's plans. How did it work in your mind, the interplay between imagination and the facts? Uh, when writing, you you go deeply into yourself and uh, at the same time uh, you have all what you have lived and seen and also read and uh, writing is mm, like collecting unifying moments um, and uh, of di diving hmm. for instance when Angus is diving. Perhaps I have remembered what I have felt when diving as a young boy. We swam and dived in, in clear lakes in, in Finland without any devices, devices and kept our eyes open. And we, then we tried to catch crabs by hand and it was frightening to go deeper and deeper. Um, in an interview you mentioned that you didn't consciously think about the issues we have in our contemporary world when you were writing this story, but there are obvious allusions and parallels from Angus and Halley's time to ours. For example, the distinction between researched facts versus hearsay and rumours. Common beliefs seem to be more alluring to people than actually finding out the truth behind the surface. It was like that um, during the era when Halley lived, uh, at the dawn of the modern science and the modern way of life. Um, and it is just like that right now in our society. Um, I, I think positively that we still live in the late phase of the good enlightenment and uh, there have been setbacks during these centuries but uh, after all facts and uh, justice perhaps have risen from shadows every time. Mm, the translation rights for the first book, The Celestial Sphere, have been sold to several languages now. For example, such different audiences like uh, Chinese, German, Spanish and even Galician readers, to name a few. Um, and The Art of Living Underwater is just being published in Finnish by Ottawa. Is there something in particular you think the international readership will pay attention to or it should 
pay attention to when they get to read the novel, or hopefully both two novels in the future, because they form a unified story. It's difficult to, s to say. It's exciting to hear different receptions, anyway. In Finland, readers have told me that uh, they have gone over centuries just by reading and found themselves living moments in a faraway era. I hope this feeling will go also over language borders, I hope. I, I trust it will. Um, I presume Angus's story is now finished, um, am I right? Yeah, yeah, it's now finished, yes. But are you heading back to St. Helena again? And if you are, would you expect to see this mystical island with different eyes now that you've written the story? It would be interesting to see St. Helena after 30 years. I suppose the last remains of, of its original nature are still there but uh, a lot of other things have changed. There's even an airport nowadays and uh, the Royal Mail ship does not ar arrive anymore. So you can get there, not in two weeks, but maybe, I don't know, how many hours from Finland? Um, I, I think from South Africa about six hours. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Olli, for taking this time and sharing your thoughts with us. It's such an honor to be working with a story like this and with your books that would deserve to be read in, in every corner of this world that we share. And thank you all for listening. Thank you, Lena Stina.